Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Oh, come on. So excited to be here. And uh, we just, uh, oh, we love just the whole crew here and, and Joey and Kelly and, and uh, Anna and Chuck and Emery and Jeff. I mean, just all you guys are just amazing. It's like family here. And, uh, you know, you, we get to travel to a lot of places. I can't say every place we travel to, it just feels like family. Because, I mean, you know, family takes work. <laughs> oh, it takes work. We're going to have some fun today. Come on, let's have some fun. I, I, you know, I have a core value that uh, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. And uh, it comes out of another core value that I believe that Christianity isn't boring, but there's some boring Christians. And I refuse to be one of them. I don't know about y'all, but I refuse to be one. So we're going to have some fun. I want to read scripture out of the Passion Translation. Uh, hopefully, I don't get crucified for saying the Passion Translation online, because I know some people are like, it's not even, I know, I love it. I, I love it. But I want to read you a passage real quick. Uh, Proverbs 10, 5. How many of you guys enjoyed 2020? I, you get so many different responses when you ask that, right? I know for us, you know, me and my wife, she wanted to be here. She sends her love and our sweet kids. We have an 11-year-old daughter, Hayden, twin girls, Peyton and Riley, that are nine, and a six-year-old, uh, Gavin, who they call Mini-Me. Uh, he, is, he is awesome. They are all are awesome. They all so blessed. Wish they could be here. But uh, one of the things that happens with me and my wife is that usually the Lord will allow us to become the message before we give the message. So we'll go through something, right? Go through that. You know, you've ever heard that saying, a... He'll take your mess and make it a message. He'll take your test and make it a testimony, right? And uh, we, there was some mess we went through in 2020. <laughs> Come on. And it was messy. I, I want to make sure right here, right? Don't go out of this. Okay. <laughs> and it was messy. We'll talk about that. But I want to share a word with you. Scripture that I think is so fitting for 2021 and actually where we're going. Proverbs 10.5 says this. Know the importance of the season you're in. And a wise son you will be. Oh, I like that. That's so delicious. Know the importance of the season you're in and a wise son you will be. But what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day of opportunity. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the theme happening today, this, this evening. You know, I see this theme happening during worship and, and just taking place. There's new life here right now. There's this luscious green new life that's in the room, that's present, that anything that's dying around you can be resurrected right now. If you would just grab it and believe right now. But one of the things that we have to understand right here is that it talks about our sonship. I know Joey just had mentioned an awakening. And I thought it was so profound because he had no clue what I was about to just share. And I love that partnership because 
It says right here, the importance of the season year. If you know it, you'll be a wise son. How many of you guys want to be wise sons and daughters? How many of you believe that the world's actually looking for wisdom right now? And only the wisdom that could come from sons and daughters. But it says right here, but what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day of opportunity. I'm convinced that now... Uh, I believe in the God who heals, so if I step on your toes, I believe you can heal them. Okay? So I heard that you can be free here. And so one of the things I, I'm convinced with everything in me is that the North American church does not need another revival. I believe we need an awakening and a reformation. A revival means to revive something. Aren't we revive enough? I believe we need to be awakened, right? And we need to reform because I believe that we're still following the world rather than advancing. And we're still copying rather than innovating. And we're playing catch-up, but that was never our assignment, was to play catch-up. It was to lead, to be pioneers, right? Not settlers. <laughs> and what's happening right now, see, one of the things as we travel, we keep hearing as we're dialoguing with people, is that in 2020, people felt stuck. They felt like life happened. I mean, I, me and my brothers were talking about this at Christmas time. Out of 2020 alone, Hollywood could have seven themes to, be, to build major movies off of. I mean, think about everything that happened in 2020. I mean, so many massive things took place. But one of the things we keep hearing is that people are saying, specifically believers in Christ, they're saying, I feel stuck. And I want to propose to you why I believe people are feeling stuck right now. It's called distraction. See, wherever there's a distraction, that means you've lost traction. There's no forward momentum. And as we as believers allow distractions to actually grip our heart, we get distracted. We have no traction. There's no momentum. We can't go forward. And I'm convinced the distraction that is happening... Part of the answer to it is really, really simple. It's actually getting back to the word of God. The truer word of prophecy. <laughs> right? Because what's happening right now is that we're listening to everybody. And there's so many echoes, we don't know what's a clear voice. And so, like, we're following, it's like we're, like, everywhere. Well, this person said that, that prophet said this, this apostle said that, that teacher said this. And, and I'm, not, uh, I'm not dissing, right? I'm not releasing a diss track towards a office. Come on, somebody. A five-fold office. But what I'm saying is that we have become so comfortable in having somebody else hear God for us that we have lost our intimacy with him one-on-one. Right? And so there's an awakening that needs to take place, and I'm convinced that it's happening, that we have this opportunity that is taking place right now. And 
part of this distraction, if I could just be, let's just, let's just go after the elephant in the room, is that we've allowed the political spirit to rob us of our governmental anointing. Because politics and government are two different things. You're part of a kingdom that has a governmental anointing. You're not part of a political system where you play politics. Okay, we're part of a kingdom. You're kingdom life. That means you have the life of the kingdom to give to the world around you. That's just not our brand. That's just not our name. That is actually who you are. Everywhere you go is kingdom life, kingdom living. The world's looking for you to show them what the kingdom looks like. But what I'm seeing right now, come on, somebody. Oh, we're going to have some fun. If we're not already having fun, we're, it's about to get funner. I'm convinced that what is taking place right now, especially in 2020, is that we've, we've got out of alignment with our original assignment. And what has happened, and, and I, I want to just take some time to really kind of prophesy what I see this house becoming. And I see not just this house becoming, but I actually believe that this is a word of the Lord for America is that we're going to start seeing this because we're moving from platforms to tables. And what I mean by that is that the actual platform is not going to be no longer the only major area of influence to bring transformation. Because how many of you know in this room right now, not every single one of you is called to a platform as far as standing in front of a church and speaking and communicating. But if that is our highest realm of influence, especially in the church mountain, then what happens? We just disqualify it. Many people are sitting in the church. Right? So I say all that because I believe what kingdom life is becoming, and I believe what we're seeing raised up right now that it's starting to give birth to is that we're seeing churches become embassies. We're moving from resource centers to embassies. Now, hear what I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't have resources. I'm just saying that in an embassy, you have ambassadors, not activists. <laughs> Do you know there's a difference between being an ambassador and an activist? And I see so many believers in America right now becoming activists, but they're losing their assignment from their original destiny to become an ambassador. And I tell you what, you don't see, when you study the whole concept of governmental ambassadorship, I can't even pronounce it right, I'm getting tongue-tied. An embassy, you don't see mega embassies. <laughs> Embassies are actually for the ecclesia, the church, the ambassadors. See, when I take up the posture of an activist, I love what this definition said about an activist, a person who uses or supports strong actions in opposition to a controversial issue. Now, I love the definition of an ambassador. Ambassador means a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited from a foreign government 
or sovereign as a resident or representative of his or her government. And an authorized messenger. (laughs) Oh boy. See, activists get persecuted, ambassadors don't. Because an activist is circulating around persecution. When you're an ambassador, you're representing somebody greater than yourself. I want you to just think about that. Think about that for a moment. Because part of my journey was that I was saved into the kingdom, but I got lost in religion. I became domesticated. And it, it sucks. Because I got radically saved. And I got radically saved. Then I was adopted into a religious system that everything that told me, oh, oh, oh. Let, me, let me put it this way. I think it's so funny how even as a young child, when you grow up, you grow up in a family, you grow up in culture, and as a young child, we are trained at a young age to believe everything we are taught, but many times we're not given a process to see if what we, taught, what we were taught really works. Hey, I grew up in the Hispanic culture, right? And I was taught that when you get injured, if you're outside on your skateboard and you fall down and you get a compound fracture, oh, mijo, all you need is Vicks and 7-Up. That's all. We just put some Vicks and 7-Up on that. And I'm, I'm like, like, you could be bleeding. Bleeding out and you just need some Vicks and 7-Up. It's like, why does that work? Or when I got a burn, I, I burned my hand on the stove. My grandma said, oh, me, mijo, you just need some butter. What am I, fresh baked bread? Put butter on, what, what, what does butter do? Or, oh, or, or mijo, don't go outside, it's cold. If you don't have a jacket, you're going to catch a cold. Science has proved that wrong. I mean, how many things do we believe because that's what we're taught, and we're taught you just believe it. And then what happens, you come into an encounter with the king of kings, and you come into the kingdom, and then you get stuck in a religious system that does the same thing. Everything I say, it just is. Can I tell you, we're in... There's a, we're, we're in a moment, and I believe 2020 has started, we're in a rude awakening for a great awakening. Because right now, I got to give you this. One of the things that just kind of has blown me away about last year was I've seen so many people say, you know, it's, it's political you know, it's, it's the Trump people, it's the Biden people, it's, it's the Republicans, it's the Democrats, you know, it's, it's, it's COVID, it's all these different things that are causing the division. And we've been so distracted that I believe we've, we've failed to really see what the enemy's really doing, causing a generational divide in America right now. And we're in a pivot moment right now as we travel all, you know, different places in the United States, and we're in a pivot moment where one generation has given up the ball, passing it on. 
especially in church mountains right now, and it's not going too good. We're not doing it too good. I don't know too many places that are actually living generationally. Do you know God thinks generationally that the gospel's for you, but it's not about you? When he, I mean, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and... See, he thinks generationally. And this is what I, I love about being here. I see this multi-generational collaboration in here. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for places that would think generationally. But what has happened, even with the prophetic, you know... Uh, don't you just love it when God just speaks to you those hard things that just kind of rocks you inside and you're like, oh, that hurt. That just hurts so good. Can I, can I tell you that we just need a little discipline? That's not a bad thing. That actually means he loves you. That's like a test of sonship is that we receive discipline. The problem is that we have such a skewed view of the gospel Many times we see discipline as punishment. <laughs> we don't see discipline as upgrades, as opportunities. See, the day you came into the kingdom is the day you no longer had problems. Now you have opportunities. If you don't believe me, read James. Count it all joy. That when trials and tribulations come up, that you do the math. That because this happens, if you'll stay the process then you'll see the fruit of this. So we have opportunities for upgrades. We don't have problems. But what happens is like a lot of people are like, well, Matt, you said we ain't got problems. You, you don't know about 2020. We got some problems. Well, we also got good news. <laughs> I, Joe, I think it's funny that I, I'm convinced that the world needs a demonstration of Christianity. They don't need a definition. And I feel like everybody's trying to give a definition right now to the world, and yet the definition is so skewed. But can I tell you something? I believe that if the nature of the kingdom, when the kingdom is demonstrated, it begins to form a definition. When you merely just give a definition, it doesn't mean it's actually going to lead to a demonstration. And how many of you know demonstration looks different in the mindset of an activist versus an ambassador? Because <laughs> as an activist, we're, oh, I'm getting my cause on. Oh, heck no, they ain't going to tell me what to do. I have my freedom. Yet, doesn't the kingdom say you advance by laying your life down? Maybe we just picked up our old self again. Maybe we've resurrected those. I got to tell you, I'm speaking from a place. I got to tell you what. This last December has been the month from hell for us. From us for us. <laughs> Not from us, but for us. Let me get that right. Edit that out later, please. I mean, we've had so many, we had a, a major life transition happen all the, out of there. Starting in, actually in October, my wife's mom passed away. 
And then the Lord says, guess what? I'm moving you back to Stockton for a season. And our journey, see, me and my wife were born in Stockton, California. Now, you may have heard about Stockton, California, because Ford Magazine voted Stockton, California, the most miserable city in the world twice. We were the four capital. Uh, <laughs> Uh, foreclosure capital of the world until Detroit beat us out. Shout out to Drew Neal. And uh, not too much good, according to others, comes out of Stockton. But uh, I don't look miserable, do I? And uh, so God moved us on from Stockton, and we spent three years in Vacaville and just transitioned. And the Lord goes, I'm sending you back. And I'll be honest with you, I went kicking and screaming because on paper it doesn't make sense. He said, okay, I'm taking you back to the father's house. And uh, here I am, 43 years old. Some of y'all thought 30s, thank you, God bless you. I felt that come in the room. <laughs> Moving back with my father-in-law and four kids. <laughs> oh, if there's any ounce of pride in me, it's about to manifest. <laughs> Love my father-in-law, don't get me wrong. Quick story about my father-in-law, why I love him. See, I grew up in Stockton, California. My parents didn't teach me racism. Culture did. In Stockton, California, with the friends I hung out with, I was taught that rich white men took everything away from me. Wow, I felt that, woo. <laughs> and so if you were wealthy and you were white, I hated you. And I was going to let you know. And then one day, my father-in-law comes into my life, who fits the very category of what I was taught to hate. Because they, they, they took everything from me. Culture taught me that. And then here comes my father-in-law. One of the first things he does is comes low to me. You know what it felt like? It felt like me being on a United Airlines flight, and I have the very back seat where you can't move. You're just like, and my father-in-law steps out of first class, comes all the way to the back, and comes sits with me. And it actually transformed my life. <laughs> until you actually sit down with somebody you can't judge them so I love my father-in-law but here we are moving back and I think I'm going backwards but the Lord goes no this is a prophetic message do you remember how I speak to you guys I let you go through something so you actually could be able to tell the church what's next and I thought we were going backwards. But he said, no, 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 no. He said, the prophets in this season have got it wrong. Because they think the future is a prediction, but the future is actually a promise. <laughs> and everybody's trying to look into the future. Where God's right now not actually looking to the future. He's actually trying to get everybody to look back to the past. See, only in religion, 
let me separate kingdom and religion. In the kingdom, your past is used for his glory. In religion, we are taught that we have to separate ourselves so far from our past that we can't even see the truths that are supposed to unlock our future. <laughs> Think about it. I got saved and I was saved and I was taught, you got to leave all your family members. You can't go back to those Mexican parties because they drink too much. So leave them. If you go back, you're going to hell. I mean, I was taught that. And so I was taught to cut every area of influence that I can bring for transformation to my family because they drank. And I understand that, hear what I'm saying. When somebody comes to I understand there's levels of maturity. There's levels of breakthrough. And there's levels of like, hey, if you're dealing with something and you're not mature enough and you can't overcome that and it's just going to be a stumbling block, then don't go there. But we teach people to cut off every area of influence and just stay in the church that becomes a panic room. And we wonder why there's been no kingdom in government, no kingdom in education. No, because can I tell you, in the 80s, we, the church, had an opportunity to take the media mountain, but we actually made it Christian television. Now, I'm not saying I'm against Christian television. I personally, you know, um, I used to watch it. But I'm convinced that wasn't God's purpose was just to have our Christian television, our little panic room television. It was actually to go and be innovative. Oh, come on, somebody. This is who you are. You're a walking transformation machine. You're the original transformer. Oh, come on, my brother. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd do that, but I, I may crack something. So why am I saying all this? Because I do believe we're in a time of redefining and rediscovering. And it has to do with our past. You know one of the things I love about the word of knowledge that the word of knowledge will go into somebody's past to untie them to release them to their future. And I'm convinced that right now God is trying. See, history is repeating itself, but we've been so distracted that we haven't seen what's happening. It's the roaring 20s all over again. If you study history and look at a pandemic that actually was in the beginning of the 20s, like, like history's repeating itself, but we're so distracted that we are not learning from our history. We're trying to look towards the future. And I, I, I'm, I'm convinced, this is just here in my heart now, I'm convinced where I feel like some of us as prophetic people have got it wrong is that we've been so future-oriented and we've gotten in bed with the political spirit that it's actually a 1 Kings 22. I don't have time to say it, but go read that. 1 Kings 22, 400 prophets told two kings what they wanted to hear. Only one prophet told them what they needed to hear. And you know what God said in that, in that passage? 
I gave the 400 prophets what was in their heart to hear and caused a lying spirit to come into their heart because they had idolatry in their heart. It's time to get uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I got to tell you what, 2020 was uncomfortable. I, man, I had so many different sozo moments in 2020. Even just this last, just a few, on Christmas Eve, my dad was assaulted by a young man in Stockton, California, where he got beat up and he had a broken ankle. And uh, we just resigned from our church. And I'm just, I keep it real. You're, you know, I'm going to keep it real with you. The thought crossed my mind, I'm no longer a pastor, so if I go to jail, it's going to be all right. Because <laughs> I believe in the five-fold ministry sometimes if it gets out of hand. And I'm like, man, there is an assault. Oh, I'm in Texas. All right, yeah, all right, come on. Some places you say that. It's like the air goes out the room. <laughs> oh, following Joey's footsteps. And so I was so ticked off because my dad got assaulted. He just dropped my, uh, my mom off at a store, and, and my, my, my son and my brother-in-law's son was with them. And just the injustice of my father dealing with that and being hit from behind in the head and just beat up and then having a broken ankle and people watching it. So on Christmas, it kind of ruined my Christmas. So I was on social media trying to look for a viral video of it to find out if I could find a person. And I was in a real bad place in my heart for about a week. And then I walked into our service at the church and I met my good friend, Craig Ferris, who's here, just moved to Texas. And uh, he just, you know, you need those friends in your life that get up in your grill and just say, we need that, right? And the Lord just reminded me, it's one of those heart moments again, choose the hard thing. You want to know what 2020, a theme is choose the hard thing. Choose the hard thing. Because the hard thing will lead to the hard thing. And I realized, you know what, I got to let them go. That's what Jesus would do, because you know what? The world still needs kindness and truth. And I got to lay my life down. I don't want you because my flesh and just, you know, I'm a fighter. I want to fight. I just have to realize that the battleground in which I fight is different now. My weapons of warfare look different now. Because if I want to choose to fight, my fight, I could win, I could lose, but if I choose his fight, I always win. <laughs> he's never lost a fight. And he'll win with any hand he's dealt with. And he doesn't have to know when to hold it and fold it. He's that good. We doing all right? So a couple of things I want to give to you personally that I believe that we need to define right now in this season our visions, our visions, our values, our vocabulary, and our vehicle. And I, I believe specifically our vehicle is the huge one because many times as believers, we understand vision, we understand values. Our vocabulary needs some work, but the vehicle in which to walk it all out, we have the wrong vehicle. What do you mean by that, Matt? Well, let's talk about this real quick. Give you one more passage, and then we're... We're going to begin to tie this up. There's a passage of scripture that has just been on my heart in 2020. 
And I want to read, read it to you real quick. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 9, 53. Luke 9, 53. Tell your neighbor, it's about to get a little cray-cray. Some of you felt like you were uncomfortable saying, it's about to get a little cray-cray. I don't know if I should say that. <clears throat> Here we go. Luke 9, 53. says this. Let's start at, yeah, let's start at 51. When the days were approaching to his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And then he went on to the village. What's interesting, right before this passage, Jesus, there was a battle between the disciples to see who was great. And then Jesus gives them a, really a, a, a lesson on how to attain greatness. Yet they still didn't understand it. Because after the lesson of how to attain greatness, they see a man casting out demons. And they go on to say, like, well, there's this guy, he's casting out demons, but he's not running with us. He's not part of kingdom life. He's part of the Baptist church. And Jesus, we know that we, we, we got it. You're with us. And Jesus said, hey, 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 do not hinder him. If he's not against us, then he's for us. So all this is playing out, and then you have this moment where this really form of racism manifests. Because if you knew anything about the Samaritans and the Jews, there was so much tension, racial, racial tension with them that they didn't want to help Jesus and the disciples because they were actually on a trip towards Jerusalem. Like, if you stay here, we'll help you, but you guys are going to Jerusalem. Heck no, we ain't helping you. And so the disciples, they got offended. I'm offended now. I'm offended because you don't like the Jews. So I'm going to take up the offense of Jesus, and I'm going to defend him. And Jesus goes, no, 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 you don't understand. And he says two important things that I feel like are echoing right now for us if we're going to move into 2021 and be successful. See, they wanted to judge the Samaritan and call down fire. And John the disciple, think about it. They wanted to call down fire, and you have John the disciple of love. He wants judgment. He wants to call fire. I want to fix this unjust thing now. And Jesus said two transformative statements. Number one, he said, first, he said, the Son of Man didn't come into the world to destroy it, but, the, but that through him they might be saved. You know what he was saying? 
your offense got you so distracted, you've took off your redemptive lens. And you've allowed the crisis around you now to become the crisis within you. The moment you lose your job assignment and take off your redemptive lens is the moment the crisis around you now becomes a crisis within you. And so maybe, just maybe, right now in the North American church, the reason there's turmoil is because we've given up our redemptive lens and allowed the crisis of the epidemic, the crisis of the political spirit, whatever distraction it is, to become the crisis within us, whether it's CNN, Fox News. I, I mean, I don't know what your news source is. MSNBC. Uh, I don't know all of them. I don't even watch all of them. <laughs> and it's distracted us. And the second thing he says, you do not know what spirit you're of. If you're not careful, he was saying, we can venture off into a spirit that disconnects us from the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know a good gauge right now for discernment is asking any prophetic revelation we get right now is what spirit is this of, Lord? Is this you? Is it me? Hey, I, I, I've been prophesying for a long time, and I'll tell you this. There have been moments where it was me, not him. Oh, false prophet. No. Just sometimes we can get in the way because he's so gentle. And he'll say, oh, go ahead, go for it. See how that works out for you. I'll be here, but we're going to clean it up together. But you're going to have to humble yourself. And that's what we need right now is humility. I'll tell you why I want, I'm telling you why I'm choosing humility. Because Grace is always connected to humility. He gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you. I need grace. One of my spiritual fathers told me this. Always be quick to sow grace in your bank account because one day you're going to need to withdraw. And if you don't sow it, it won't be there. Can we choose humility right now? Humble. You know, I, I love some of these fathers like Chris Valentin that are humbling themselves right now, leading a way for us to model humility. That, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I misheard. Even in the midst of ridicule, even in the midst of, of people, you know, no longer like, unfollowing you on Facebook. The moment Christians become afraid of cancel culture is the moment they have left the kingdom culture. Because he created you. No one can cancel you out. We can't be afraid of cancel culture. But can I, can I, just, can I just keep it real, real quick? And then we'll. I believe because we, the church, have been given so much authority and power that we've empowered things in the world that we're blaming the world for when it's actually us who've empowered it. You know, I know we stand for the cause of abortion, but every Sunday I see, I go to churches where we abort our own. I know we don't like cancel culture, but I got to tell you what, before cancel culture even became a thing, we were canceling people's culture in church. Some of you in here, you came to this church because your old church culture canceled you out. 
It's like we empower it. Because we don't realize the power and authority we actually have. Last thing I'll say. I want to tie up one last thought I had. I said earlier that was releasing about the generational divide. Me and my wife were part of Generation X. Our generation was just X'd out. Don't know why, but. Have we have any Generation X people in here? Oh, come on. It's interesting because our generation is the last generation that can remember what it was like without internet and with it, without computers and with them. I mean, I remember having that big old green screen Mac <laughs> that on a rainy day we could go outside, we'd be playing Oregon Trail. I always never made it. I always got sick. <laughs> it was interesting. Don't know why. But it's so interesting because we're our, our generation, we're, we're a bridge. We understand the difference between technology, what it was like and what it's not. I mean, I mean, I just think about this even today. Like, my kids, takeout to them is no longer going to a restaurant and actually picking it up. It's called DoorDash. Like, I remember when you have to actually go to the restaurant and use gas and, like, go in and pick it up and then drive all the way home. But now it's just like we got DoorDash. We have, uh, I don't know, all the, uh, yeah, all of them, Uber Eats. But it's interesting because one of the things that's taking place right now, I want to give this to you, <clears throat> I find fascinating And I believe that we need to take responsibility for as a church. Come on, somebody. This is so interesting. Gen Z, that is one of the actual generations on the face of the earth right now, they're calling the world's first global generation. And the reason they're calling them this is that they said that this generation no longer is, hap is no longer happy with simply consuming content. Instead, they're passionate about publishing content. This means that access to social media and the internet has created in the next generation the ability to publish their God thoughts, Ideas, prophetic words, dreams in real time. But this also means that this generation no longer wants to come to church and sit in a pew and consume what people are saying. They want to go out into the world and have real time publish it. So what are you saying, Matt? I believe what's happening in North America right now is that the consumer culture and the church is crumbling down because we built church culture on consumerism. And we have a generation that that wasn't consumerism. They want to publish. They want to be co-laborers. 
And it's actually playing right into our hands. But the only way we're going to actually be able to mother and father this generation is if we can overcome our consuming culture. And you know how consumer culture works in the church? Through fear. If I can bring some sort of fear to you that gets you to need my goods, you now become a consumer. Whether it's my new material, my new book, my new sozo ministry, anything that I could attach to you to build fear in you so that you need me, rather than me empowering you to go out. You're now consumed and you're stuck with me, not because you want to be with me, but because you're afraid that if you leave me, the very thing that you got free from is going to come back. And we've built this consumer culture that is now destroying it. And I believe that's the rude awakening that is taking place. And that's why I love this house. Because of the empowerment that you feel in this house. The empowerment and freedom to be who you were created to be. And go into the world and actually do something. Right? See, right now in this moment, there's not only new life, but there's so much freedom. Oh. Hey, Craig, go ahead and stand up. <laughs> Didn't mean to pick you out, but I got to stop right now. Just go ahead and stand right out. This is for you and your family. And uh, just turn around. I'm going to do a prophetic act real quick. And uh, Father, I say the dust of the last season is now wiped off. And that the state of Texas will now receive you fully, you and your family, that the dust of the previous season that's had you stuck and even trying to bring confusion on for direction is now broken. <laughs> and we say right now upon the Ferris family, Blessing after blessing, assignment after assignment, direction after direction. Now, you just grab your kids' hands, and it's going to come right on you guys right now. So you all ready for that? <laughs> if you're not, you better get ready. And so, Father, we just say right there through the family, through each of them, rest at night, no more weariness. The spirit of heaviness that's been in the House trying to weigh you down now lifts off you. The tormentors that have tried to come in to torment no longer have assignment. It's null and void. And everything spoken out of the mouth of even good believers that have been like a curse. We break it over your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, where's Charlie or Charles? Does it make sense to somebody? Charlie or Charles? I kept seeing that name. Is that significant for somebody? Charlie, Charles? Oh. I, but I knew you was Chuck. 
You're Charlie. Stand up, Charlie. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. Uh, just want to let you know, there's three areas in your body that the Lord's healing right now. See, I see healing coming on you right now, three areas. I see the Lord touch your back all the way down your legs, your hip. There's a realignment that's coming to your physical body because of the reassignment that's coming to your family in this season. The Lord said you've taken several steps forward and you feel like you've hit a wall. But he said the last six to nine months where there's been such a whirlwind where you didn't know which way was right or left, that that's stopping right now, even around 4 o'clock in the morning where there's been the unrest coming in. Four o'clock in the morning where there's been the unrest coming in. The Lord is stopping that. And he's releasing angels to give you rest to your physical body right now. The way you walked in is not the way you walk out. He's touching your body. He's touching your family. He's touching your finances. Because he's going to show you what the good father looks like in this season. Because Charles will be back in charge. And so, Father, I thank you. For Charlie, that where it's felt like Charlie and the chocolate factory, that now it's Charles back in charge. And so, Father, I say even as a sign, the release of even the tension within the body, even the weight and the pressure, we say right now in the name that's above all names, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to grab your hand. <laughs> and we're going to release this blessing over you. Do you mind if I grab your hand? I have to ask now because, you know, COVID, you know, you have Father, right now, I sense the hunger. He's a family man. <laughs> That's who you are. You are a family man. And because you are a family man, regardless of what people in the past have said, everything's being wiped away. <laughs> oh, and the way you walked in will not be the way you walk out. And we just say right now, from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head, be made whole. Right there. All of it, 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 all of it. We just say more, 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 more strength, strength, strength. I see his hand on your back. We say strength, 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 strength. No longer will you feel like he doesn't have your back for this next season. You'll see the hand of the Lord always have your back. <laughs> oh, we bless you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Does any of that make sense to you at all? Yeah, I get that. So, it, no. Yeah, yeah. That's God. Wow. Come on. Come on. Yep, no more. No more. Yep. Oh, now, come on. No. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to get this right. That's the clap you give Tiger Woods. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the fullness of his glory and his authority manifested in the midst of us. Father, you're worthy. There's no one like you. You're the
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You still do miracles. You still do the impossible. There's nothing that the enemy can throw your way that overcomes you. Father, I thank you for the love that is in this very room right now. Ha. How you doing, my sister, right here? Are we doing all right? Can we do it all right on time? Anytime we need to stop. If you guys want to look at your phones to see what the game score is, go for it right now. Um, my sister right here, how you doing? Yes. What's your first name? Kirsten. Ah, you are amazing, Kirsten. You rock. You know that? You rock. Matter of fact, you don't just rock. The Lord says you've had to be a rock for your family. You've had to become a rock for your family. And ever since you've been a little girl, you've always wondered why people just have a tendency to come to you and just vomit all their problems on you. It's because of the counselor and teacher that is within you. There's a teacher within you. God has graced you with a grace to teach. Now, I don't know what you do. I'm not saying that if you're doing something right now that you're going to go be a teacher. I'm just saying that you're such a rock that you have the ability to take very difficult things and simplify them for the everyday person. And then this next season, God is partnering with you. I see some curriculum. I see you writing. I see some things that are given, being birthed in you that are about to come out of you that is going to even revolutionize the way people even educate other people. And so, Father, I thank you for the grace and the anointing that is on Kirsten. Father, I thank you. Even I even see musical notes coming from heaven into your ears right now. So there's something about the sound of heaven being released over your life. Ha, 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 ha. And you have keys to unlock depression through your family generational line. And so, Father, I thank you for this woman of God. I got, I got to tell you one other thing. Look you in the eye real quick. I stand before you as a sign. I'm the result of a praying mom. And that's going to be significant for you. Don't stop. I'm the result of a praying mom. Your prayers are doing more than you could even imagine or think right now. And so I bless you in your body. I declare over you from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. I declare the shalom, peace of heaven over you right now. And over your family, and I thank you that the Lord is partnering, partnering with you in this season to see the teacher begin to come out of you at a greater level and extent. And we bless that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, do you, uh, by any chance, I always like to check, do you do anything in teaching or anything? Oh, wow. Come on. Well, it's time to get that dance again. <laughs> Come on. Father, you're worthy. Mm. Mm. Uh, somebody here right now, um, uh, you have a calcium deficiency in your body, and God is actually releasing calcium to your body. There's a deficiency. It's actually affecting your bones. Who is that? Where are you at? I need to pray for you real quick. There's some sort of cal. Yep, go ahead and stand right on. You may be more than one. But if that's you, go ahead and stand right up. Ah, oh, awesome. Thank you, Father. Ha, ha, ha. Can we have some uh, 
Let's go ahead and do this. Um, oh, there's more. Wow, one, two, three, four. All righty. Um, if you see somebody standing up by you and you believe God heals, would you go lay a hand on their shoulder real quick? Because we believe in empowerment and partnership. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, you just made known right now a need because you are the great need meter. <laughs> and so, Father, we just say right now, their physical body. Lord, I, I thank you that the word of God says, whose report shall we believe? We'll believe in the report of the Lord. And I, I just declare that even regardless of what doctors have said over the years of the degeneration and, and, and this is that and this and that. And Father, if you created your body and you created their bodies, you surely have the power to heal their bodies. You are the great physician. And so I declare right now upon the bones in your body where they've been brittle, where there's been a, 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 a just a destruction to the body because of the lack of calcium. I declare the calcium deficiency is now null and void by the blood of Jesus. And we release calcium right through to your body, even at a, I'm supposed to say this, even at a um, cellular structure level. Yep. Even at a cellular level, we declare right now that which is misfunctioning begin to function right. A few of you right now, you're going to begin to feel heat go through your body right now. It's going to be like the love of God, the fire of his love is going to go right through you. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, my sister back here, right, you're right there in the back. Um, we cancel out the generational death curse that's been in your family. It's now null and void. Premature death is null and void in Jesus' name. It goes uh, three to four generations down on your mother's side. And that's being actually cut off right now. I just saw it. And we bless you because your best days are ahead of you. And they're before you. And I bless your body, your mind, your soul, and your spirit in the name of Jesus. It's above all name. You're actually, I got to tell you, ma'am, you have so much joy. You are a carrier of joy. God has given you the sword of joy. Like anybody gets around you, they have these joy encounters. And it's going to begin to manifest even stronger in 2021. That as people get around you, they're going to just start laughing for no reason. Because you being you, joy happens so naturally because that's just who you are. And so, Father, we just say right now the assignment is no and void and the joy that has been set before her now comes forward. Just step. Go ahead. Can't make this stuff up. Come on. And so, Father, we see everybody else right now that is standing. How you guys doing? You doing all right? Good, 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 good. All righty, all right, all right. Well, Father, is there anything else? Let's just, let's just uh, spend a minute in his presence. I don't know if somebody wants to come up and do some worship. You're welcome to. There's no, there's no, actually, no, let's not do that. I, I like doing it dry like this. No, because uh, when you go out to the marketplace, you don't have worship following you. There's no romanticizing into the moment. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, yeah.
Oh, Father, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. Um, because there is an expansion of this house, there's an anointing for people to get houses. If that's you, stand to your feet right now if you need a house. Because it's in the DNA of the expansion of this house, there's an anointing here for houses. And uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just step out to the side. We're just going to do a prophetic act. All his promises are yes and amen. So I want you to say this, Lord, I receive fully of the anointing of this house, that this is not just a house, it's a home. And so I receive the grace upon this home that I will step into my home. In Jesus' name, I want you to just take a step of faith forward, and I want you just to receive right now. We say strategies, strategies, connections, doors opening wide open. And the reason God is doing this is that when you have, when you, when you take homes in the land, you actually have authority in the land. <laughs> so this is an authority move. Ah, yep, 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 yep. So, Father, we just say, let it be so. Let it be so. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lastly, I want to end with this. If you're here right now, we can, we can keep going. Uh, but one of the things I always like to demonstrate and teach is that you can actually... Uh, prophesy, minister past his presence. And uh, I always like to hit the power spot where his presence and gifting come together. But you can go past the presence and you can just go on gifting. And I just feel like it lifted so we can keep going. But I just want to do this. If you are here right now and you felt two things. Number one, you're here, you're visiting. Uh, you do not know You've never made a decision to receive Jesus, this king. Man, I'm getting tipsy. You've, uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Something just happened. I just stepped into something. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> are we doing this now? I, uh, if you're here right now and... Um, If you're, I probably need this more than you realize. All right, Lord, just, all right, real quick, I get this out. If you're here right now and uh, you've never made a decision to receive Jesus into your heart, I want to give that invitation right now. Uh, maybe, you know, you were invited here as, as, a, as a guest or, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get through this. Wow. Um, if that is you, would you just please stand? Or I want to pray for you. If that, or, uh, this is not funny. This is, uh, I'm not apologizing, sorry. 
But uh, let's just go with it. If you need some joy, just come jump up in here right now. Just get out your seat and come jump and come drink. Yep. If you need some joy in your life, you need some peace, it's here. We're just going to follow the river. So just get out your seat, come forward, and uh, just take a posture of receiving right now. Come on, just come on up and jump on in. <laughs> oh, man, this is kind of, yeah, this is wild. Just go ahead and ride the wave. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.